New Morning Life family is so good to be with you on this Sunday morning. And it's not just any Sunday morning. It is Mother's Day. And I know it's a lot going on. It's often easy to forget some of the holidays and things that we have in the life of the church when we're at home. But nonetheless, it's Mother's Day. And if your mother is around you, just reach over and give them a hug. If they're not around you, send them a text. If they're no longer here on earth with you, I just charge you to just sit back and think about how good it was to have had them for the moment in which you've had. Brothers and sisters, I think it's always good on Mother's Day to think about the fact that we all have life because of our mothers. We all have life, and no matter how mad you get with your mother, no matter how upset you are with your mother, no matter how much you love your mother, no matter how far away you are from your mother, if you look down at yourself, you'll realize that your very skin, your very bones, the flesh of your flesh and bone of your bone comes from your mother. And no matter how far away or how distant you are, no matter if they're on this earth or not on this earth anymore, you're always connected to your mother because they gave you this physical body. Yes, God gives us life, but God has given women the power to create life through their own bodies. And we are thankful for mothers on this Mother's Day. Nonetheless, I'm so happy that you all are here with me to meditate and look at and read uh, the Lord, our Lord and Savior's last will and testament. We are coming out of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 10 through 12. That's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. And before I get started, I need to say something, and I want to start saying this every time I get on live with you all. I don't want to forget it, so sometimes y'all might have to type it in at the bottom of the screen to remind me. This joy I have, the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. We are always thankful for what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. Read with me, turn in your Bibles with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Deuteronomy, that's in the Old Testament. The Bible says, when the Lord your God has brought you into the land that he swore to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to you a land with fine large cities that you did not build, Houses filled with all sorts of good things that you did not feel uh, hewn with cisterns that you did not hew, vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you have eaten your field, take care that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to sign, uh, sign this sermonic spotlight on verse 12. Verse 12 says, take care that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Do not forget. Do not forget. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you so much for having another Mother's Day in which we've come to you. Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless our mothers, bless our families, bless our world and move through our world with your holy and divine spirit. Father God, we pray that you would be with the healthcare workers. We pray that you would be with the service workers, all the essential workers, everybody that is still working to this day to make sure that people are healthy and to help restore them to life. 
Father God, I pray everybody for everyone that's under the sound of my voice that you would grant favor upon their lives, that you would be with them in their individual and private struggles, that you would help them to see the new promises, the new mercies that you've given them and promised them in this word that I'm holding right here. Father God, I pray that you would continue to gird us up as believers for the fight which is life so that we continue to run this race without getting weary or without getting tired. Father God, you are the author and finisher of our faith. And you are the source of our life, and we love you, and we thank you. So, Father God, I pray that anything that I come to this sermon with that is not of you, you would remove it from me. I pray that anything that the people that are watching come to this screen with as they watch this live stream with, if it's not of you, I pray that you would remove it. Allow this word to seep into their spirit, to convict them, and ask them what they must do on a daily basis to live a life of truth and a life according to your will into your way. Lord, now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Oh Lord, you have been and shall always be our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Don't forget. Don't forget. When we hear this, don't forget, there's many different ways we can interpret it. You can say, don't forget in a way like your concerned or you're worried about something or you can say don't forget in a way to give warning or caution for example if you're going to use it in a way like you're worried you should say or you could say don't forget about your keys don't forget about your lunch for today don't forget about picking me up after work don't forget uh to do your homework you could use don't forget in all kind of different ways or you could use it in a way of warning Warning like, now don't forget all that I've done for you. Don't forget how I was there for you when no one else was there for you. Don't forget that you owe me some money. You can use don't forget in a myriad of ways. But brothers and sisters, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, don't forget is used in both ways. It's used in a way of concern and a way of worry. And Moses is speaking in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Verses 10 through 12. Moses isn't only speaking in those verses, but Moses is also speaking through the whole book of Deuteronomy. And what I want us to see in this book of Deuteronomy is that Deuteronomy stands for second law. And Moses is with the Israelites going over with the Israelites all of the laws of the land. Because right now, right here specifically in the text, the Israelites are on the edge of the wilderness, but at the brink of the promised land. And it's a strange place to be when you're on the edge of your wilderness and at the brink of your promised land. And Moses is standing almost as like a, a crossing guard. He's standing with them at the edge of the promised land, on the, at the edge of the wilderness, on the brink of the promised land. And he's telling them the laws that before you get to God's promise, there's a way you need to conduct yourself. He says, before you get to reap the benefits of all the things that God is about to bless you with, don't forget who God is and who God has been for you. Imagine Moses. Moses standing at the edge of the Jordan River. He's standing there in his robes. He probably has long robes, probably has a long beard, probably has a staff in his hand, and he's standing there. We're going to add dramatic effect. Imagine the wind blowing, and the wind's blowing his beard, and it's, it's ruffling his cloak, and Moses is standing there with his arms up, and he's telling them, not to forget the Lord your God, 
who brought you out of Egypt and brought you out of the land of slavery. Can you imagine the Israelites? The Israelites are probably not even listening to Moses because they're looking over at that promised land because they're thinking about the fact that they wandered through the wilderness for 40 years just to get to this point. And an interesting fun fact about this is these Israelites that Moses is speaking to aren't the original Israelites that have escaped from slavery in Egypt. These are the descendants of those Israelites. Those Israelites were their parents. But ironically, their parents didn't follow Jesus the right way. Their parents, I'm sorry, didn't follow God the right way. And what winds up happening is that their parents have fallen by the wayside and do not receive the promise that their descendants are now receiving. So they're excited with anticipation. They're excited as they're at the brink of the promised land, on the edge of their wilderness. And you see what Moses is doing is reminding them. He's saying, before you get to this promised land, I want you to reflect over all that you've been through. Before you get to God's promise, I want you to think about how faithful God has been to you, what all God has brought you to before you get excited about where you're going. Don't forget about where you've been. Brothers and sisters, these laws in, in Deuteronomy, these laws help uh, the Israelites understand how to maintain their economy, how to maintain their religiosity, how to come up with some sort of system to, to, to handle of, of the laws and how to handle things that might get out of hand as far as criminal activity. These laws help them break down how to care for their elderly, how to feed themselves and how to have a true and pure and holy civilization. So what he's going over with them or reviewing with them is a system that has been established in the wilderness that they need to carry over to the promised land. And what he's telling them and what he's reminding them to do above all else is that when you get in this promised land, he says, Israelites, I know your parents were trifling, but I'm praying that you won't be trifling. And when you get to this promised land, don't forget your savior. Don't forget God who saved you from Egypt under the hand of Pharaoh and brought you out of Egypt into the wilderness and now blessing you with the promise and the promise. And don't forget the Lord your God. Continue to worship him. He, he's letting them know that there'll be a lot of people doing other things in the promised land, worshiping other gods in the promised land, having other religious rituals and traditions in the promised land. But he says, don't get caught up in that. He says, stay faithful and stay true to God. Don't forget. But brothers and sisters, I know what you're thinking at home. If you're a true biblical scholar and if you're a true critical reader of the text, you're probably wondering, what is it that they don't need to forget? But if you've truly been reading your Bible like I've been encouraging you to do, you already know how God has shown up in their lives. These, these Israelites, even though they are the descendants, the children of the parents that escaped, God has been faithful to them from the beginning. You see, in Egypt, they escaped from Egypt under the hand of Pharaoh, and they escaped from the 10th plague of death. You remember that 10th plague of death. This is the plague of death where the death angel came and it killed the firstborn of every household and it killed the firstborn of every life, livestock. And all the Israelites had to put blood, the blood of a lamb, over the doorpost so that the death angel would pass by. 
God saved them from that. You also remember how God crushed the Egyptian armies in the Red Sea. God saved them from the hand of Pharaoh by allowing the Red Sea, once it was parted by Moses, to, to, to crush over them. He also gives them manna, bread to eat from heaven, and meat to eat in the wilderness. He provides food for them to have while they're in the wilderness. And not only that, he makes sure their shoes are durable. That their clothing is durable so that although they're wandering around the wilderness for 40 years, their shoes nor their clothes wear out. And while they're wandering around the wilderness, they're not wandering around aimlessly. The text reveals to us and the text shows us that God was a, a cloud by day that they followed and a pillar of fire by night. And they followed these two things by day and by night just to try to find their way to the promised land. And while they were traveling, if they got thirsty, he also made water come out of the rock in a dry land. So God has been providing for them from the beginning for a long time. You see, God has sustained them through the wilderness. And Moses is telling them, don't forget. Don't forget God who brought you through all of those things. And now is trying to bless you with his promise. Don't get brand new with God. And brothers and sisters, sometimes we have the tendency to get brand new with God. Sometimes, like the Israelites, when God begins to bless us, we begin to forget him. And what Moses is telling us. Is not to forget, not to forget whose we are and who we are, not to forget what we come from. You see, the Israelites, the reason why this current set of Israelites weren't able, are able to get to the promised land and their parents weren't, is because their parents basically wanted to jump from slavery to promised land. They wanted to jump from slavery to promised land and skip wilderness. But brothers and sisters, if you don't take anything else, from this message this Sunday morning. What I want you to take is the wilderness teaches us how to conduct ourselves in God's promise. Hold on, let me say that one more time. I said the wilderness teaches us how to conduct ourselves with God's promise. You see, often we want to jump from slavery to wilderness, not understanding that the wilderness prepares us for what we need to do with God's promise. You see, I was talking to one of my friends the other day, and I was telling my friend, I said, overnight success really isn't a good thing. Because when you go from failure or go from nothing to something just overnight, it doesn't give you the mental stamina to be able to understand the work ethic that's needed in order to maintain a level of success. It doesn't give you the appreciation once you begin to reap the benefits of your labor to understand how good it truly is to truly see the fruits of your labor manifesting in all of your hard work. So that gray area, that transition period of working hard and then failing and then having success really allows you to see the progression of how you progress over the years. And brothers and sisters, I, I came up with my own theory. I think that failure, in a way, is a prerequisite for success. Oh, you, we, we, we may not like that one, but, but I'm going to say that again. I think failure, in a way, is a prerequisite for success because failure shows you what not to do. Failure teaches you how, which way not to go or what way you should go. One thing that um, I found interesting or what I find interesting, one, all of you all that really know me, you know I like to skate. And one thing about skating is, and one thing that people don't like about skating, is that you fall. However, 
A lot of people don't realize that it's through the falling while you're skating that you truly learn how to skate because you're overcoming the fear of failure. And a lot of times you have to push yourself to falling to the ground to build up the muscles so that you can get to the point of where you can do the moves. Let me give you an example. You see, I love to skate and I started skating at an early age when I was a child, but then I stopped for a long period of time and when I was at Ebenezer Baptist Church in their young adult ministry, one Sunday, they went to Cascade Skating Rink. And I had heard about Cascade. I'd seen the movie ATL. But when I went to Cascade, I was surprised to see the skating rink was just like the movie. They had the skate groups. People were grooving around. They were in lines. They were in formation. They were doing all these moves. And I saw them and I said, I can do that. I said, that's me. I'm going to learn how to skate. And I went out there and I started skating three and four times a week. But brothers and sisters, I also started getting discouraged. Because although I was going three and four times a week, I wasn't still at the talent and level of ability of the people that were there skating and could do all the fancy moves. So I was getting discouraged. I thought that just because I was going to the skating rink, it would give me the ability to be able to do the same moves that they did. And let me tell you, one day a lady saw me struggling to learn how to skate backwards. And while I was trying to skate backwards, I, I couldn't get my footing right. I kept slipping. I was frustrated. I wasn't smooth. And, I, and, and, and the lady came up to me and she said, well, what are you trying to figure out? And I said, I'm trying to figure out how to skate backwards, but it's not working. And she said, well, let me show you. And she showed me the moves I needed to do. She showed me where I needed to place my feet. She showed me how I needed to move my hips. She showed me how I needed to keep my head up. And as I did those things, I still kept failing. And brothers and sisters, I, I kept getting frustrated. And I, and, I, and I told her, I said, I don't know why I'm not getting it. I'm doing exactly what you asked me to do. I'm moving in the exact same way as you asked me to move. Why am I failing at doing this? And brothers and sisters, you know what she told me? She told me that time is also a process in getting to your goal. Time, the time that you spend working through the move, the time that you spend falling and getting back up, the time that you spend basically in the wilderness helps you truly be able to understand the process of being successful. So brothers and sisters, I kept going out there doing what she showed me. I kept going out there trying to skate backwards. I kept going out there and finally, I built up the leg strength. Finally, I got over the fear of falling. And next thing I know, I was just as smooth as anybody else back there. I could, I could spin around. I could turn around on my left foot, on my right foot. I could skate backwards on my tiptoes and spin around on my tiptoes. And brothers and sisters, before I could get to that level of success, I first had to go through that phase of failure in order to appreciate the level of success that I had reached. Oh, now, brothers and sisters, I love to skate because I knew the time that it took me to get to that point of skating. I knew the time and the bruises that I developed on my legs from all the hardship of being in the wilderness of not being able to skate well. And brothers and sisters, it may not be skating for you. But you may be going through a wilderness experience where you're wondering, Lord, why is it taking so long? Why am I getting cheated on? Why am I being betrayed? Why are people seeming like they're using me? Why am I being mistreated in this workplace that you blessed me with? Why, why am I going through this wilderness? And brothers and sisters, God is just trying to show you that he's trying to prepare you through the wilderness experience to have the stamina for the promise that is yours. You see, it's not easy when we go through the wilderness. Because when we go through the wilderness, it's uncomfortable. When we go through the wilderness, we want to rush through the lessons that God wants us to learn. But brothers and sisters, if you wait and focus on those lessons, 
If you wait and pay attention and ask God, what is it that you want me to learn in this wilderness? The wilderness won't seem so bad. Because you'll realize in some cases the wilderness is not only for you, but it's also for those that are around you that need a testimony, those that are around you that need a smile, those that are around you that need encouragement. And sometimes, sometimes people can't get encouragement from folks that ain't been through nothing. Sometimes people need encouragement from people that have been through a similar wilderness experience such as themselves. So brothers and sisters, don't get caught up in the wilderness. Go through the wilderness and learn all you can. Experience all you can. You can remember what the book of James says. You know, I love quoting this chapter and verse in James. James tells us, it says in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, My brothers and my sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let, every, let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete Lacking nothing. I might read that every Sunday so that whenever you go through a trial and tribulation, brothers and sisters, it's your wilderness to help equip you so that you'll be mature. Oh, here we go. Complete, lacking nothing. If you don't go through anything, you won't be mature. You won't be complete and you won't and you will lack some things. That's why overnight success isn't good because you won't have the maturity to have the mindset to do what you need to do when you get to the promised land. And brothers and sisters, Moses is at the brink of the promise, but on the edge of the wilderness. And he's talking to these Israelites. And he's trying to help them to understand why it's important for them to remain faithful to God and not to forget what God has brought them through. But nonetheless, in spite of him trying to teach them this, he knows in the back of, their mind, of his mind that these are the descendants of an unfaithful people. Let me tell you about these unfaithful people. These unfaithful people wandered around in the wilderness for extra 40 years because they were unfaithful. And they created this cycle of where they were wandering around doing the same thing over and over again. Because in this cycle, what you'll realize is that they stopped relying on God and started relying on their own ability. You remember the first cycle. The first cycle is when Moses went up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. And he was up there so long they thought he had died or either left them. And then Aaron, Moses' brother, helps them come up with the golden calf and they stopped worshiping God and started worshiping the golden calf. And God got so upset with them and when Moses came down, he broke the stone tablets and then they got in trouble for that. And what Moses is trying to remind these new Israelites, these descendants of those Israelites is that you can't do that. You can't be unfaithful with God. You have to be faithful to God at all times, no matter what it looks like. And brothers and sisters, the moral of that part of the story was to show the Israelites that when you obey God, you are blessed. But when you disobey God and when you start worshiping other gods, you are cursed. So brothers and sisters, what keeps them in a cycle is the fact that they keep going back and forth between relying on God and relying on their own ability. What, what happens is they create this cycle of failing and God saving. And while this is the Israelites, some of us can see that in our own lives when we're in this cycle and don't know how to get out of it. We're in this cycle and don't know where it's coming from. We're in this cycle. And brothers and sisters, I want you to be able to identify the cycle. The cycle is when you find yourself with new, around new people, around 
maybe even in a different state, but you're still experiencing the same things. It's that type of situation where you may always have the same issue no matter where you go. You have to eventually at some point ask yourself, is it the people or is it me? Because one thing that's not changing, the people aren't changing. The state isn't changing. The, the community isn't changing. The county isn't changing. The job isn't changing. The relationship isn't changing. What's changing are the people, but I'm remaining the same. So if I'm the same and I'm taking me everywhere I go, it can't be always the other people. At some point, I have to look at self. So this is a cycle. And brothers and sisters, I need you to ask yourselves in your personal devotions while you're meditating and while you're praying to God, am I in a cycle, God? Or are you moving me through the wilderness? Nonetheless, Moses is aware of something. Back in our text in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses is at, remember, he's at the edge of the wilderness and on the brink of the promised land. And he realizes something. That yes, these are the descendants of the Israelites that escaped from Pharaoh and that escaped Egypt. However, he knows that when you're on the brink of something, when you're in that middle ground between wilderness and promise, you have short-term memory. He knows not only do you have short-term memory, but you develop this condition that makes it hard for you to pay attention. And you see, sometimes something comes over us as a people where we have gone without for so long. We have been at the edge of almost receiving something that we've always wanted. That when we see it in our sights and when we almost get there or when we're about to receive it, we forget all that we've been taught. We forget all that God has brought us through. And we get tunnel vision and only see what we want. And brothers and sisters, Moses is talking to these Israelites because I'm sure he can see in their eyes the fact that they already are plotting ways to sin in new ways that he has never even seen uh, seen uh, the type of sin before. And brothers and sisters, just as Moses is giving this speech to them, he's worried about how they will conduct themselves in the promised land because he knows it's this condition that comes over you when you're in this middle ground of not having and wanting to have. Or in this middle ground of searching for something in your spirit, in your soul that you always wanted. May that be that a relationship, be that a job, be that a new car, be that a material thing. It's, it's something about when you're almost at that brink of getting it that you begin to start forgetting things. You start to block out rationality, morality. Some people begin to let down their guard and overall they begin to forget God. Let me give you an example of this. The best example of this I can think about is when I went to college. Let me tell you, see, I grew up in a very structured household. Yes, it's Mother's Day and I am so thankful for how my mother has raised me. That's what's made me the finished product that I am today. But it was a very structured and strict household. We had things we did and things we didn't do. We had things we ate and things we didn't eat. We had a time for bed and a time to get up. We went to church every Sunday. I didn't hang out and party. I didn't do the sleeping over and spending the night thing. People didn't come over and they didn't come and spend the night. We had a structured way of living. I had things I needed to be working on in the summer as far as books I was reading, papers I needed to be writing. There was all kind of structure. So brothers and sisters, when I got to college, ha <laughs> ha, 
Let me tell you, all that structure, all that stuff, I couldn't wait to throw out of the window and do my own thing. Brothers and sisters, when I got to college, let me tell you what my mother told me. My mother, as we unpacked everything when I was at college, right before she drove off, she said, remember, do the best you can. Be the best you can. Learn all you can. But remember where you come from. Don't forget that you've grown up with home training. Don't forget you've grown up with a certain sense of morale. Don't forget all the things that I taught you. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 mama, I got it. I got it. That, that, that's my thing with mama. Yeah, 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 I got it. But brothers and sisters, when my mama left, let me tell you, I couldn't wait to eat what I wanted to eat. I couldn't wait to drink what I wanted to drink. I couldn't wait to go where I wanted to go. I couldn't wait to stay out as late as I wanted to stay out. I couldn't wait to party all day and all night. I couldn't wait to hang out with who I wanted to hang out. I couldn't wait to bring over who I wanted to bring over. I couldn't wait to have them leave when I wanted to have them leave. I couldn't wait to not go to church and possibly sleep in on some Sundays and brothers and sisters, I couldn't wait to have a good time. And I had that good time. But you see, my brothers and sisters, I soon realized the warnings that my mother gave me, the don't forget that my mother told me, wasn't to hurt me, but to keep me from getting hurt. I know you're probably wondering what I'm talking about, but I'm saying what she told me, what she put in my mind, it wasn't to hurt me, but it was to keep me from getting hurt. Brothers and sisters, by the time my freshman year ended, the same people that I started at Clark Atlanta with, freshman year, at orientation, most of those people weren't there by the end of the first year. Many of those people either had gotten pregnant, they had dropped out of school, they had used that refund check that comes, which was more money than they had ever seen, and used it and bought up things that they didn't need, some of them had gotten strung out on drugs. Some of them had joined all kinds of criminal activity and had gotten locked up. And brothers and sisters, what my mother was trying to do was keep me and protect me from getting caught up in what people were doing on the other side of freedom that I hadn't realized when I was sheltered. And brothers and sisters, sometimes what, 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 what God is trying to do is trying to protect us with the laws and decrees he has. He's trying to show us how we should conduct ourselves because he already knows what the end of that road looks like. He already knows what will happen to us if we put our faith in man and faith in the world, faith in material things. That's why the scripture says the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. Brothers and sisters, God already knows that when you put your faith in anything other than him, it will lead you in a world of trouble and will lead you in a cycle just like the Israelites. See, brothers and sisters, I can't help but realize the parallels between the experience of the children of Israel and our current experience we're facing today. Yes, we're in a pandemic, and I like to look at this pandemic as its own wilderness. And now we've reached a point in the pandemic where we're at the, the, the edge of the pandemic ending and at the brink of us getting back to our routine and to the way of life. You know, I know we are ready to go back to work and send our children back to school and get back to our routine of life. But there are things that have now been put in place. There are people that are now just like Moses that are telling us not to forget 
during this COVID-19 virus. There are things that they're saying not to forget. They said, don't forget about social distancing. Don't forget about wearing your mask. Don't forget about taking the proper health precautions and not going out unless you truly need to go out. And brothers and sisters, I think we need to take this seriously because if we don't observe the regulations, if we forget all that we've been through in the wilderness, we'll find ourselves going back in a circle, revisiting all the deaths, all of the, the viruses, all of the sickness, sicknesses we once did at the beginning of the pandemic. So brothers and sisters, these stipulations, these decrees, these regulations aren't designed to harm us, but they're designed to help us. So we can't take it for granted. This makes me think of what I saw that was very discouraging not too long ago. And I know some of you've seen it too. And if I'm talking about some of your cousins and family members, don't be mad at me. It's just what I saw on the news. I know you saw um, the video of the people in Greenbrier Mall. And while they're at Greenbrier Mall, the parking lot is filled with cars and they're shooting fireworks and they're and, and, and they're it's almost like a car show. It's all kind of cars in the parking lot and, and people have ATVs and they have all kind of different choppers and motorcycles and they're doing donuts in the parking lot. And it's hundreds of people. And this is maybe a day or two or, or, or three days after the, 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 the order has been lifted for us to stay in place. Nobody in the video seems to have a mask on. Everybody's outside partying, shucking and driving and having a good time. And brothers and sisters, you can just see that our people and our race of people just aren't taking the pandemic and the stipulations seriously. It's almost as though they've forgotten all the people that's died. It's almost as though they've forgotten the long hours and days that we've spent inside. They just can't wait to get out. Brothers and sisters, you might also remember at Greenbrier Mall, there's a, a video of the line stretched around the corner for people to try to get inside so they can buy the new pair of Air Jordans. And hardly any of the people in line have on masks. They're bumped up one against another just to get closer to the door. They've disregarded all stipulations and all regulations of social distancing just so they can receive something material. And brothers and sisters, I just want to bring to your attention that if you're willing to put your life at risk to be seen, to show off, to receive something material, you identify what you have put precedence over in your life. You've identified the fact that you have put being seen, materialistic things, that you put showing off with your friends and things of that nature. And if you know people that do this, you might want to send this sermon to them. You, you, you're showing them that you're putting all that stuff over God. Because you're showing them that you're putting it over God by the sense that you're willing to risk your life and the lives of others just to have a good time. So brothers and sisters, we need to honor the precautions. We don't need to forget what we've just gone through. We need to be very cautious and wear our masks. We need to be very cautious and take proper precautions. Don't forget. You see, all of those examples that I just gave you of the people like Greenbrier Mall and the West End Mall, it makes me think of James Weldon Johnson's song. James Weldon Johnson wrote a song called Lift Every Voice and Sing It. We often uh, sing the first stanza of it, but we don't get to that, that, that third stanza. And in the third stanza, it says something that parallels almost exactly what Deuteronomy 6 says. It says, lest our feet 
Stray from the place, our God, where we met thee, lest our hearts, drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. And brothers and sisters, sometimes I can't help but wonder when I look at the video images of our fellow brothers and sisters, our kinfolk that look like us, shucking and jiving and, and being out in, 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 with their cars and driving around and doing donuts and shooting fireworks and just having a good time completely oblivious to all that's going on in the world. I can't help but think that we are drunk with the wine of the world and we've forgotten our priorities. You see, brothers and sisters, we've reached a time now where we have privileges that we didn't once have. We've reached a time now where we can get high-profile jobs. We've reached a time now where we don't have to worry about um, what race we are. We don't have to worry about laws being in place to, 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 to stop us from entering restaurants or to stop us from going here and there. We don't have to worry the same way we used to, and it's evident now that we've forgotten. But brothers and sisters, I think when we forget, God sends us little reminders he sends us little reminders through people like when we had the death of Trayvon Martin. He sends us little reminders of the freedoms that we take for granted as a race of people when we see the death of Eric Gardner, when we see the death in the police brutality taken out on uh, Alton Sterling and Philando Castile and Sandra Bland, and most recently when we have seen the death, the hunting down and murdering of a black male, a young black male child that was not too much far off from my age, Ahmaud Aubrey. And brothers and sisters, what this shows us is that if you are a person of color, you can be hunted down, shot, and killed in the street in February and still fighting for your killers to be brought to justice in May. And brothers and sisters, we have to be well aware while we're having a good time, while we're buying all the things that we want to buy, while we're styling and profiling, while we have these nice jobs, while we have these fancy houses and we think those days are behind us and we no longer have to reflect on things of our past, when we no longer have to reflect that God brought us as a race of people through our own wilderness of slavery. We have to keep in mind that we have not completely overcome. Brothers and sisters, with that video with Ahmaud Aubrey, you're able to see two white men chase down a young black man as he's running through a neighborhood just trying to get exercise, just trying to stay in shape in Brunswick, Georgia. They chase him down, one in the driver's seat, another person, they have driving a pickup truck. He's in the back of the pickup truck. One of them has a shotgun. Another them, one of them has another gun. And because they made up in their mind that he's a criminal and he's a thief that has tried or has been uh, sabotaging and, 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 and robbing them in their neighborhood, they hunt him down and they try to apprehend him, but in the process, they kill him. And brothers and sisters, in their mind, they were justified what they were doing because they profiled him and they came to a conclusion about who he was before they even knew him. And you see, brothers and sisters, the hardship and the sad reality of this is that even in 2020, even in this day, the minority, we as a people, the minority, is still at the mercy of the majority. So brothers and sisters, don't forget that although we're in 2020, we came or descended from people that at one time were considered three-fifths human. 
or not human at all. That we came from a time period where we were slaves and then we came from a time period where we were sharecroppers and we came from a time period where we were lynched, where we were beaten, where we were killed. We came from a time period where we were segregated and our schools were segregated, the restaurants were segregated, the neighborhood was segregated, the bathrooms were segregated, the hospitals were segregated. And now that we are at a point where we're integrated, it seems as though we forgot and brothers and sisters, although we are living in the promised land of our ancestors, we're living in the dream of Martin Luther King, we still shouldn't forget. And every time we do forget, I argue that God drops off these little reminders where people such as, where people such as Ahmaud Aubrey are killed, where people such as Trayvon Martin are killed, where news and media footage is revealed of people being killed by police brutality and white supremacy. So we have to keep our minds sharp and keep ourselves aware that even though everything has changed, nothing has changed. Brothers and sisters, Moses is still speaking to the Israelites. And just like the Israelites, we are at a place in our reality, a place in our world where, yes, we have transitioned out of this virus, and yes, we've transitioned from being in our wilderness, and we're on the brink of moving into a stable or, or, or some type of normalcy. We still must remember what we've come from. Brothers and sisters, Moses, I want to reveal to you all, didn't make it to the promised land. He didn't make it to the promised land because being around the original Israelites that escaped from Egypt took its toll on him to the point of which he started disobeying God. And when Moses started disobeying God, he made God so mad that God told him that he couldn't get to the promised land. But brothers and sisters, if Moses was here today, I think Moses would tell me, I think Moses would say, Charles, even though I didn't make it to the promised land, I still got to experience God's promise. And I would say, Moses, how is it that you still got to experience God's promise if you didn't get to the promised land? And I think Moses would say, Charles, I'm, I'm glad you asked because even though I didn't get to the promised land, I still experienced God's promise of him never leaving me nor forsaking me. He would say, Charles, even though I didn't get to the promised land, when, when Pharaoh made a decree for all uh, Hebrew boys that were enslaved to be killed, my mother put me in a reed basket. And although I didn't make it to a promised land, my mother put me in a reed basket and put me down on the Nile River. And I floated down the Nile River. And even though I didn't make it to the promised land, I made it to Pharaoh's palace. Now, although that may seem like a place or the last place I should have made it to, God was still with me because I made it to Pharaoh's palace and got in the arms of Pharaoh's daughter. And just like the text says, I was then raised as one of Pharaoh's own children. And the interesting part about it, just like our text reminds us and just like our text tells us, I was able to live in a palace that I did not build. I was able to eat from vineyards that I did not plant. I was able to drink from wells that I did not dig. And although I didn't make it to the promised land of the Israelites, I still experienced God's promise of him sustaining and taking care of me against the odds. So brothers and sisters, I want you to know that no matter what it looks like, 
No matter if you're in slavery mentally, if you're in the wilderness spiritually, and you're trying to get to the promised land, no matter what stage of life or, 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 or what stage of depression or hardship of life you're in, God will still sustain you. God will still take care of you. God will still protect you. And God will still provide for you. And brothers and sisters, if you take nothing else from this story, take the fact that you need your wilderness in order to understand how to conduct yourself in God's promise. You need that wilderness experience because the wilderness experience gives you all the mental stamina you need, all the spiritual stamina you need to know who you can rely on. Brothers and sisters, if you want a true relationship with God, you need to know that you can try God. And when I say that you can try God, I mean you need to know that you can try God to the point of which whether times are bad or whether times are good, God is going to be faithful for you, faithful to you. And you'll never know how good God is. You'll never know how faithful God is until you try God for yourself. You'll never know how God can save you until you've been through a wilderness experience and you didn't see how you were going to make it out. And God was the only one that could save you. God was the only one that could liberate you from your distress, from your sorrow, from your depression, from that dark place. God was the light in the darkness for you that the darkness didn't overcome. And brothers and sisters, what I want you to gain from this today is once you make it through your wilderness experience and you finally get to the promise of God, don't forget the God that brought you through that wilderness. Don't forget all the lessons you learned along the way. Don't forget every time God saved you, every time you were going to turn away and do your own thing and God reeled you back in, don't forget those things. But remember and be faithful to God whether times are good and whether times are bad. I thank you for listening this Sunday morning. I thank you for tuning in. I pray that you would continue your relationship with God and I pray and I charge you to continue to reading the word, continue praying, and continue to be faithful. Don't forget what God has done for you. Don't forget what God will do for you. And don't forget what God is doing for you. God bless you. And have a good Mother's Day week.